and welcome to another episode on the Press On podcast. I want today to share with you this, uh, this week and next week on the topic of the covenant of holiness. I'm going to ask you to do something that you may be unfamiliar with, and that is to go to the book of Leviticus. That's the third book in the Bible, and it is the third book written by Moses from the five books, that first five books of the Bible that Moses has written, called the Pentateuch. And the Leviticus is uh, not often a book that we run to for strength and encouragement. We might look at it more from a historical standpoint, but there are many nuggets of truth uh, and divine principles that we need today. And I want to, uh, this week and next, to try to share some of those with you. Now, Leviticus is really like a training manual that God wrote for the children of Israel as they came out of bondage from the land of Egypt. He determined to them that he would be their God and they would be his people. But because of 400 years of bondage, they did not know really how to relate to God. They didn't really know how to live for God. And as they came out of Egypt and they moved into the promised land, Leviticus is the book written. Now, you can tell from the name Leviticus that it was written to the tribe of Levi, and yet it was specifically for the priests that were found within the tribe of Levi. And the book of Leviticus was going to be a guidebook for these priests who were fresh into the priesthood, and God was going to teach them how to fulfill their priestly calling. And that is the call of God upon their life, that they were to be the ones that exercise the ministry of God, share the things of God, reflect the nature of God to the children of Israel. But the book of Leviticus also is a guidebook for every single Israelite. Uh, They've been redeemed, but they have now to be taught how to worship God, how to serve, and how to obey God. And this book is written for that purpose. You know, there's a correlation I find even at this point with the book of Leviticus, and we find in John chapter 14, specifically verse 21, Jesus says that whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and is the one to whom I will reveal myself. You see, Jesus was laying out, if you really want to get to know God, then you have to have his law. Or for us, we would say we have to have God's word. And we have to know his word, but then we also have to keep it. It's an equation that requires every part. We have to have his word. We have to study and know it. We have to obey it. And then he says in that course, he reveals himself. So that is not only to the Israelites then, but it's also to us today. That's why we really urge you to not be a reader of the word of God, but to be a student of the word of God. Now, as we look in this, I want to set the context for this book. And I find there, there are probably more, but I find three ways of seeing the context of the book of Leviticus. One is that God's people, Israel, were meant to be a representatives for God among all the other heathen nations. People groups and peoples in that uh, time period, as they came into the land of, Egypt, uh, of, uh, land of Canaan, they were not godly nations. They were ungodly. They knew not the Lord. And Israel was being taught and now trained, if you're going to relate to me, and that's what a covenant is, it's not a contractual uh, binding. uh, A contract says, I'll do my part if you do your part. 
But God made a covenant, a covenant that said, I'll do my part and you do your part. But if you fail in your part, I will still uh, cover my side of the covenant because God is a covenant God. Again, he says, I will be your God. And as that statement uh, is found in who he is, he has to do what he is and who he is. So the covenant is bringing people into relationship. God is telling the Israelites, I'm giving you laws by which to live in order that you can truly be covenant people. And in doing so, those heathen nations will see. And now that's not far from where we live today, people. All of us who call on the name of the Lord, every one of us that are true believers, we can't have our religion to ourselves. A relationship with Christ carries a responsibility to be his representative. And as a representative, you are on the clock 24-7, 365. And we have to live according to the commandments of God in order to fulfill our covenant relationship, but also to fulfill our responsibility as representatives. This is the first context. God wanted his people to be a witness and a testimony of who he really is, or what he's truly like to the other nations. Secondly, God allowed for people to be individuals. He allowed them to express themselves through their callings, through their giftings, through their personalities. But he never allowed individualism to exceed that of nationalism. What do we mean? It's that this, in the Old Testament, the Israelites uh, had a corporate identity. It was like a, a national uh, solidarity that we are all Israel, not just uh, as a nation, but every individual Israelite uh, carried the weight of the nation. And as individuals go, so goes the nation. And again, I'm applying it to today that how, do our, how does our nation look today? And I fear that it does not look the way that God wanted it to look like. And many of us are complaining. Many of us are pointing out faults and problems we have, and they're abundant. But let's reflect on this. Are every one of us, as true believers of Christ today, here specifically in America, are we fulfilling our godly responsibilities to live as true representatives of God, to accurately reflect him to a nation and represent him to a nation? And have we allowed individualism to override nationalism. God did not allow that with the Israelites. You remember in Joshua chapter 7, uh, where Achan was found to have stolen some treasures. And uh, if you read in verse 1, it says that the Lord's anger burned against who? Achan? No, against all of Israel. Because our uh, righteousness as an individual uh, reflects God, and it brings a righteousness to the nation. Here the same way, Achan disobeyed, Achan sinned, and his sin negati negatively affected the whole nation. I think this is often misunderstood. In fact, I think that in our day, we often do not want to hear this, that we are, in, we are individually responsible for the course of a nation. Uh, someone has said that as the, the church goes, so goes the nation. And this was true in their time. It's true in our time. 
The third uh, uh, item of uh, context that I would say the book of Leviticus is in is simply that of covenant. That's why I've entitled this the covenant of holiness. The covenant was what God made uh, with Israel, and he chose them specifically not because they were mighty or because they were the greatest or because they were the largest, really for no other reason than he set his affection upon them. And he called them out of darkness and into light. We are a royal priesthood. Uh, We're a holy nation. And we are to proclaim the praises of God to the world. The covenant of holiness is a covenant that God makes with them. He makes with us and we make with him. And it is a purposeful covenant. And it is meant uh, to be a witness to all the world. And it is to impact the nation. I don't think that we often realize as individuals how impactful uh, we, we are as individuals to the course of the nation because the nation is made up of a mass of individuals. So this is being written uh, for this uh, purpose. So uh, we'll start our flyover, our 30,000-foot 30, view of Leviticus. So in chapters 1 through 7, now obviously we don't have time on a 20-minute podcast to read all of that, although I think that would be uh, 20 minutes well spent if we did. I'd encourage you to go back and read it. And again, while Leviticus maybe is not the top uh, book that you would uh, think to go to, if you will look at the first seven chapters after we've looked at uh, uh, today's uh, sharing, perhaps it will uh, invigorate you to see some things there that can be of benefit. But in chapters 1 through 7, there are uh, seven offerings that are made, like grain offerings and sin offerings. And these are offerings that are a worthy study in in themselves. But I simply want to say that these offerings were sacrifices and offerings that God was telling Israel that they needed to make. And in doing so, it wasn't all about obedience. It was also about by doing the things that God said, he would reveal himself to them And they then would be able to see this God who was unseen. They would be able to see his nature. They would be able to understand his ways by doing what he said. Now, this correlates with us in the New Testament where we have what we would call spiritual disciplines. We no longer do offerings in the sense of what the Israelites did then and sacrifices, of course. And we know in 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel said, What does God desire most? Offerings, sacrifices? No. He desires obedience. So obedience is going to be a part of it. Our spiritual disciplines, time in prayer, not saying a a prayer, but having a prayer life, not reading the word, but being students of the word, attending church, not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together, tithing, uh, reciprocal blessings to us need to flow out. We need to be givers. And then things like evangelism and discipleship. You see, even really Leviticus is God's discipling of a nation. And these spiritual disciplines that we do today are similar to these offerings. Now, none of those offerings in Leviticus made them right with God. And similarly today, if we're doing spiritual disciplines in order to try to be right with God, we'll find ourselves uh, not achieving that. The covenant God makes with Israel brings them in and makes them holy. Uh, And it's the same with us. Through Christ, we are made holy. We are made righteous. 
and we don't achieve righteousness by spiritual offerings or spiritual disciplines. Um, when you move on to chapters 8 through 10, you'll find that these chapters represent correct and also incorrect executions of priestly duties. These priests, and remember, as we've said in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. This applies to every true believer today. But there's a right way of doing our priestly duties, and there's a wrong way of doing it. And he lays this out, and there's examples in chapters 8 through 10 of the two sons of Aaron. And uh, you need to read that and, uh, and see that. But the correlation we find in New Testament is in Acts chapter 5, uh, where in the sense of they're sacrificing their own finance and they're going to give it to the disciples, to give to the Christian believers who are in need in that place, devised a plan and a scheme. And of course, they were found out and uh, they uh, lost their lives over it. Same as the two sons of Aaron. And what do we find here? There's a right way and a wrong way to execute our uh, priestly duties. There's a right way and a wrong way to approach God. There's a right way and a wrong way to live for God in this world. And the right way is living according to his commandments. Uh, again, John 14, 21, Jesus said, whoever has and keeps my commandment, he's the one who really loves me. And in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he keeps my word. Verse 24, whoever does not keep my word uh, does not love me. So you see, there's a right way and a wrong way. In both this chapters 8 through 10 of Leviticus and the example I gave in Acts chapter 5, in both of those examples, Christ and in the Old Testament God, they were not honored. God was not considered holy. God was not feared in the fear, the right fear and awe of God. They felt like they had room to move. They could do things what they felt was best, and really they became a law unto themselves. Uh, this was not permitted. So in chapters 11 through chapter 22, God gives uh, a series of laws that are to promote holy living. And those laws are laid out for each one uh, of the Israelites to be able to know through the priestly teachings, and they were to uh, adhere to those. Uh, that is uh, the same in the New Testament, where there are multiple commands, 263 commands of Jesus in the New Testament. And those commands that we have from Christ are the same spirit that God gave the laws to Israel. It was to teach them to obey. It was to not to make them righteous, but to was be the fruit of their righteousness. And the same for us uh, today. We need the commandments of God. Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses uh, 18 through Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, what we would call the Great Commission, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all things that I have commanded you. So these commands were given for people to realize that God is holy, and the holy laws reflected His holiness. And when we keep those laws, then we are not only living out our holiness, but we continue to be a witness and an influence upon those around us and really 
collectively as a nation. Again, remember in the New Testament where a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's used in a negative context, but in a positive context, the principle is the same. So we have this then culminating uh, a call to holiness. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter writes, As he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. And people say, well, how can I be that way? God knows that I'm not, I, I'm not bent that way, that I'm just, I'm just a man or I'm just a human. But you see, we can't keep making these excuses. We have to know that the call to holiness is, one, a call to holiness to come into God's presence. Uh, sin cannot enter into God's presence. Only he's holy. Now, we're made holy through the righteousness of Christ, but we're to be holy in all we do. It's in character and it's in conduct. It's to have a relationship with God and it's to be a representatives to the world. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, Paul writes to young Timothy that even though some will contradict our teachings, the teachings we have, these New Testament teachings, are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, wholesome means they're the holy. They're the complete, perfect will of God in written form for us. So, my friends, I want to encourage you today, as we've done this flyover uh, on the first part of this uh, podcast, that as we reflect on this covenant, as we reflect on God's holiness, God is discipling Israel, and Christ today is discipling us. And in fact, we are to in turn go and disciple others. And our discipling isn't by the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And that is we come with the law of Christ. And these are wholesome, perfect, holy laws. And I want to encourage you. How are you doing today in your relationship with Christ? Are you seeing God as holy? Are you reverencing him? Are you taking time to make sure, to make sure that Christ is set apart in your heart as holy. You remember the old prophet, I believe it was Jeremiah, uh, that God said to them as a charge against the nation, you have forgotten me days without number, and you have made me altogether common. Well, God is not common. God is not man. He, he is high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and we are the temple of God today, and it, his presence is filling us. So how are you doing? I want to encourage you, go to the Word, go into prayer, go and hear what the Lord is saying. Read His holy laws, and let's be holy in all that we say and do. And if you have fallen short, today is a day where you can breathe a true prayer from your heart. Father, forgive me for I've sinned. I've not committed you as holy, even before my eyes. I failed in my representing you. You know, where you go and what you do says a lot, not only about you, but in essence, it is saying what is really true about God. And you're either rightly reflecting him or not. And the call to the priest and to the people of Israel coming out of Egypt is the same for us having come out of the world. Uh, God has brought us into his marvelous light, and now we're to live as light bearers. And this covenant of holiness is something that we need to reflect upon. So my prayer is that you'll have time to do that at home, maybe as you travel in your car today. My prayer is that you would set the Lord as holy in your heart, call upon him, research his laws, and by his grace, continue to reflect his holiness to those around you. 
So until next time, God bless you. Thank you.